You're listening to the Mindful Psychology Podcast, a podcast designed to explore mindfulness, psychology, neuroscience, and various aspects of holistic health. My name is Jen. I'm your host. I'm also a therapist, an educator, and a yoga teacher. Join me and brilliant guests as we explore various topics and offer you actionable steps so that you can be informed and intentional about your health and well-being. Now sit back, relax, maybe take a notebook out, and let's dive in. Hi everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Mindful Psychology Podcast. My name is Jen, I'm your host, and today is a solo episode. I'm going to be talking to you about what is okay and what is not. Generally speaking, of course, we're going to dive into more of what I mean by that. But before we do, I just wanted to say that... Um, that I'm doing more Q&As on my Instagram. So if you've taken part in those, uh, thank you. And I always love getting your questions so that I can answer them as much as possible and offer information to people who may not have asked the question, but who had the question, uh, or just giving the information to people who, who didn't have it. So it's always nice to be able to answer questions and be guided in the way that I share content so that I'm not just talking about like a bunch of things that maybe I care about, but that nobody else cares about, um, which, which sometimes is fine, but also liking, I like to actually answer any questions that you guys have and create content that you guys are looking for. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. And if you are not taking part in them, feel free to take part in them. I do them every week. Um, I often put these little boxes, um, like ask me question boxes that you guys can just submit to and then I answer the question. Um, so that's always fun. Or you can just DM me if there's nothing in my stories that's letting you leave a, a question, just DM me and I'll answer the question. So I just wanted to say that. Um, and it just helps me create the content. It helps me guide the, the content creation process. So it's always fun. So thank you for that. Um, last week we talked about, and this, I mean, on Instagram, we talked about narcissism. We talked about narcissistic personality disorder versus narcissistic traits or NPD versus narcissistic traits. We talked about what this looks like in relationships, what this looks like in a person who has NPD or who has narcissistic traits. We looked at the different aspects of that and what it means for you. We slowly, we slowly got into how to recognize toxic behaviors and what to do if you know that you're in a relationship with someone who has these toxic behaviors and you want to leave. So we got into that a little bit. Now with this, I want to shift away from disorders and or narcissistic personality disorder, but disorders in general, and talk about toxic relationship that might not be a disorder, but that is still toxic. Um, and, and really talk about why that's important. Now, the reason why, and so I'm going to talk about that now and, uh, of course, continue creating content about this because the thing is, I find in my experience with, with clients and with friends talking about these things is that often we want to label the person that is mistreating us or label the person that we're confused about because we think it solves the problem. We don't realize this on a, on a conscious level necessarily, but one of the big reasons people do want to rely on diagnoses or want to hope that there is a diagnosis behind this is so that A, they feel like less hurt by that person because they're like, oh, never mind, they're narcissists. So, okay, I get it, I get it. Um, or, or and or, because it can be both too, um, it gives them a sense of control uh, in a situation where they feel like they have no more control. Because, you know, when, you, when we're feeling 
like this or when we're being abused or mistreated, you know, we, we feel this lack of control, right? We feel kind of um, paralyzed sometimes by this feeling. And, and that can give us a sense of control. It's also why we like to understand what's going on in our relationships. It's also why we want to know how people are feeling. And especially when we don't have a secure attachment with someone, we're especially confused. We're especially in search for answers. And it can lead us to hope things or want things to be the case so that we can make more sense of it. And, and I get that. On one hand, you're thinking, oh, well, if it's narcissism, now I get it. Okay, so it's this and this and this. And it might feel like you can understand it a little bit more, which will help you heal and help you maybe make the relationship better and all of that stuff. But, and I, and I get that, you know, and it, and it can bring you a sense of perspective and a sense of explanation and all that stuff. But we need to understand that, first of all, there are professionals who need to diagnose someone. Uh, books cannot diagnose someone for us as in, you know, I mean, there's the DSM five, but, but that's a whole, that's a whole thing. But I mean, we can't read a book on narcissism, for example, or what, or listen to a podcast on narcissism and then be like, oh yes, this is my so-and-so, right? It doesn't work like that. We can recognize certain traits and we can recognize things, but then we still have to do our homework and do our part. Um, and then even with that, what does that even mean for you and your relationship in the end? Like, what does it even mean if they do have NPD? What does it give you a sense of relief? Does it give you a sense of the problem being solved? Does it give you a sense of control over the situation? Like, again, these feelings are normal, but has it actually taken the pain away? Is it actually bringing you closer to healing or to making better decisions for yourself and your relationship, right? Like, that's what matters here. And, and again, like, of course, it can give you context. It can give you an explanation. Like, this is why we're trying to understand human behavior. Absolutely. And like, I mean, obviously, as a therapist, I, I care about these things and they're valid. But I also really care about, you know, developing the necessary tools to have healthy relationships and a healthy life. Um... And sometimes when we stop at that diagnosis or at the potential diagnosis, we're missing out on a lot of what we could do to feel better and to be better. So that's why I want to talk about this today. Um, so again, I don't want to talk too much about disorders and all of that. Um, but when we're talking about toxic behaviors and toxic dynamics, um, of course, this makes us want to understand. It makes us want to look for answers. It makes us want to be able to figure out why the person that we love is treating us badly. Um, and that is also normal and it's good, you know, like stay curious, ask questions, figure out why, but don't lose sight of what you need to do and the responsibility that you have in your healing. That's really, really important. And when we lose touch with that, we then get into a trap and, a, and an unhealthy cycle because then again, we're living for that other person. So Doing that and getting consumed with their why is not any better than getting stuck into how you can make them happier when they're mistreating you, like how you can behave differently so that they stop mistreating you. In both cases, you're getting stuck in their toxic cycle. And again, whilst it's very important to have open communication and conflict resolution and, um, and work on your relationship. Like whilst all those things are extremely important, of course, I am not suggesting that, you know, working on your relationship or getting to the bottom of things or communicating with your partner is not healthy. Absolutely, it's healthy. Um, and it's and it's necessary. 
However, when we are getting stuck into cycles like that, where we're trying to please this person who's mistreating us because we hope that if we behave correctly, they'll stop mistreating us, that is not working our, on our relationship. That is getting stuck into a toxic cycle. And that is damaging to us. Equally, getting fixated on why they do what they do as if it like solves a problem or as if it gives them a right, that is also not healthy. That is also not helpful for you. So we want to move away from that and see how we can actually hold our own in relationships so that we can be healthy and have healthy relationships because that will allow us to then work on our relationship, right? And work on ourselves. And then that's when all of that good stuff comes in. Um, so I, I want to make that really, really clear. Um, and the reason why I started talking about disorders was to really lay the groundwork for what a disorder really is and what it means and how it affects your relationships and how it affects the person versus things that are not a disorder but that are equally unhealthy. So now that we've gone to the quote-unquote extreme of a disorder, particularly in our case last week or two weeks ago, uh, narcissism, now we're moving into more like non-disorder toxic relationships or non-disorder toxic behavior, um, which is just as important and just as harmful a lot of the time, you know? So that's, yeah, so that's why we're laying the groundwork in that way and moving toward this. So when we think of toxic behavior, we'll talk about, so first of all, when we say toxic relationships, I mean, that's like a catch-all phrase that we use to say like, oh, that's a toxic relationship or, right? But really... We can all behave in toxic ways sometimes, and we can all have toxic moments, quote unquote, right? Um, but it doesn't make the whole relationship toxic, right? So like saying toxic relationship, I'm, I'm careful how I throw that around because obviously we can all do toxic things sometimes where things are not healthy for us or our partners, right? It's true. But it becomes really toxic, like it becomes a toxic dynamic when this is constantly the nature of the relationship, like when this is just what's going on all the time. Um, if there's mistreatment, abuse, you know, that kind of thing, that is a toxic dynamic. Um, but again, we can get into toxic dynamics because we're not communicating properly or we're being passive aggressive to our partner. Like that is not healthy either. And that's an unhealthy dynamic. Um, so when we say toxic, I don't mean disorder or, or abuse necessarily. I also just mean things that are not helpful in our relationship that can really be toxic. And when you build all that up and there's all that resentment in the end and all that animosity, like that is definitely toxic and damaging to your relationship, right? And to yourself. So I'm not invalidating any things that are that maybe don't seem as serious but that are equally as damaging absolutely like that those are valid and those are real and that's the point of this conversation right or this this podcast episode rather um is that these things do matter so if we take for example um a family dynamic okay let's start with a family dynamic let's go back to to basics let's go back to our pasts you know what i mean how many of you can relate to things happening to you as a child or things happening in your family and you thinking well, that was pretty effed up, but nobody said anything. It was just normalized in the family. It was just fine. Or it was laughed off. Or people said things like, oh, well, you know how they are. Meanwhile, you're thinking, I don't really care. Like, that was really mean. How many of you can relate to that? You know? Although every time I ask that question, I realize that you guys, like, that I'm pre-recording this. <laughs> but really, ask yourself, like, how many of you guys can relate to this? Or, or, you know, things happen and you didn't realize for a while as a child growing up and then because it was so normal and it was normalized to mistreat people like that or to be mean. And then as you got older, you kind of started blowing the whistle on this behavior and being like, well, hang on a second, hang on, I know better now. Like, I know that that's not healthy. Why, why is this still happening? Why are we doing this? Um, how many of you can relate to that feeling? 
And better yet, how or not really better yet, because this is quite uh, quite a doozy, uh, and we've talked about it on the show before. How many of you guys feel like you were the scapegoat in your family? How many of you can relate to that? We have an episode about that called "The Narcissist and the Scapegoat," um, which you can go listen to. But um, how many of you can relate to being the scapegoat in your family? How many of you feel like you were the ones to blow the whistle or challenge the status quo, and then you were the one that was um, attacked by everybody because, you know, God forbid you should call out abuse or mistreatment, right? How many of you guys can relate to that feeling? That is an awful feeling, right? That sucks. And, and, you know, it's, I mean, all of the the feelings are are awful, right? Being mistreated or being abused or, or witnessing abuse. These are, these are difficult feelings. They're awful. Um, and, and, and watching the mistreatment and the mistreatment taking place is awful, right? Um, but being scapegoated, um, is 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 troubling in a different way in that you're led to believe that you're the crazy one and abuse is crazy making enough but then to be scapegoated to be the only one that notices it or does anything about it that can be really challenging and it can make you really question yourself and the reason why i'm emphasizing scapegoating here is not that it's worse or that it deserves more attention but it's just that it leads us more to the main topic of the episode which is that we often don't know if we're allowed to find something toxic or if what we find toxic is actually toxic. And this is where the problem begins, in my opinion. We're like, am I just being sensitive or is that toxic behavior? Am I just being dramatic or was that abusive? When you start asking yourself those questions, and hey, asking yourself questions is helpful, it's good to ask yourself questions and be curious. However, if you're asking yourself that, it's probably because you've been led to believe that you are dramatic or sensitive like it's been said to you uh, that you're dramatic and sensitive and you're wondering if you're overreacting all the time now again it's it's okay to to ask yourself that like I ask myself that as well and I go like okay am I being overly sensitive here or am I being too particular about this but then I also tell myself well why do I feel like I'm being overly protective uh, over overly I'm sorry overly sensitive or overly dramatic about this why do I feel that Is it because I'm scared that the people are going to react badly? Maybe because they recognize themselves in this behavior? Am I worried that I'm going to rub someone the wrong way because I'm I'm calling them out? Um, Not anybody in particular, but just I might be calling someone out, right? Um, You know, why why do I feel like I'm being overly sensitive? Why do I feel like I need to take back my words or or be less... um, like vocal about this. Um, and I ask myself that all the time. Am I scared that someone is going to identify with this and then be like, oh my God, you're so dramatic. And it's like, well, why do I, why, why am I dramatic? Um, you know, is it not, am I not right? Has it never happened? Right? Like I, that's what I ask myself all the time. And, and then when, when clients ask me, well, am I being just sensitive now? Like, what if I'm just over dramatizing this? It's thing. And then I think to myself, well, if that's what you think, ask yourself this, is this behavior hurting me? Is this behavior damaging to me? Do I find it difficult to live in this relationship? Do I, am I afraid to try to make it better? Have I tried to make it better and I was met with more mistreatment? If you've answered yes to a lot of these or all of these questions, then you're not being sensitive. You're not being overly dramatic. And anyway, regardless of those questions, all feelings are valid. All feelings are valid. You do not have to justify your feelings or or see whether or not they meet a validity criteria or a set of criteria um, because of what someone else might think, right? Whatever is valid to you is valid to you. And that's what's valid. And if someone is mistreating you, that's valid. 
Um, and they might not think that they're mistreating you or they might not think that you have a, a right to feel this way, but you do have a right to feel this way. You are allowed to feel hurt and to feel mistreated. Um, and this is why we need to have conversations with our, with our partners and explain how we feel. But also, when we're dealing with, well, not but also, just also, when we're dealing with mistreatment and we're doubting ourselves a lot of the time, it could be because many people are doing it. And so we figure because we're one out of multiple people who see the problem, we must be wrong. We must be dramatic or we must be uh, crazy. Or we are scared to think that of the person, right? It, it hurts us to think that this person that we love and that we thought loved us is actually being abusive. It's scary to think of that and it hurts. Um, so we're going to unpack that a little bit. So the first one, if you're one person being mistreated by multiple people, um, of course that's going to make you feel like you're the crazy one or like you're the one with the problem. But just because many people are doing it doesn't mean that it's not wrong and doesn't mean that it's not happening, right? So if we go back to the family example, just because there were abusive people in the family and people thought it was okay and abuse was normalized doesn't mean that abuse is actually okay, right? This is why it's so damaging and so traumatizing is that it isn't actually okay to mistreat people. It doesn't matter if many people laugh it off or if people think it's fine or if they do it too or whatever. That isn't okay. In fact, that's really, really not okay. That's, it's not okay. And you are allowed to feel like it's not okay and you're allowed to disconnect. You're allowed to take yourself away from those people or from that situation. You're also allowed to speak up against abuse. You're allowed to defend yourself. Like you're allowed to do all these things. And when, when you feel, and if we use the scapegoated example, the scapegoating example, if that's the dynamic, then, then that in and of itself is an abusive dynamic. If people are rallying together, or if there's such a dynamic where, you know, and this is what brings the scapegoat dynamic along, is that you have this dynamic created by somebody who's uh, in a higher control of the situation, a parent or whatever, for example, who kind of sets the tone for you being the scapegoat and then the other family members follow, uh, either because they feel they have to because they're scared or because they enjoy it you know, as well, or right, there are like a lot of things that can happen. Um, and those things are, are, are damaging to the person as well, especially the person who out of fear feels like they have to do it. That's or, or go along with it or not say anything like that too can be damaging to the person and dramatizing to that person. And we often don't talk about that. We often think, well, you know, they were the one that got abused, nothing happened to you. Yeah, but that person had to watch had to sit there and wasn't allowed to say anything um, or felt they couldn't say anything or when they did or if they did, something bad would happen to them too. Like that is a very scary environment growing up um, or, or if it happens even later on, right? Like that's that's a scary dynamic and it's very damaging. So um, yeah, I just wanted to open the dialogue on both sides there. That was a, that that's damaging. And so, but it doesn't mean that what's happening is okay, right? Like, again, we're not basing what's okay or not on how many people are okay with it. If that's how we went about deciding what was okay or not, then we'd be like, wow, there are so many serial killers in the world. It must be okay. I mean, if there's that many people, if there are that many people doing it, it must, it must be that bad, right? Like I'm being a bit dramatic here, but like, and I'm, I'm using a weird example, but I'm trying to demonstrate the fact that it doesn't matter how many people think abuse is okay or mistreatment is okay. It isn't okay. Um, so I don't want to like exhaust this point, but, but I just want to emphasize it, that it doesn't matter if more than one person is okay with something that is abusive. Abuse is not okay, period. 
Um, so that's that. But then when we're moving into other dynamics, like, you know, it's not necessarily in a family unit and we're moving to like one-on-one, you and another person, uh, it could be a partner, it can be a family member, it could be a friend, it could be a coworker. Um, I'll try to be as general as possible. But when we're dealing with that, and this brings me to my second point. So the first point is not knowing if you're right because many people are doing it to you, right? And so then you're thinking, well, am I the, the odd person out? Like, why am I the only one realizing this? So we, that's the first point, the first way we're dividing this conversation. And the second point is that it's scary to think that someone you love might be mistreating you. And this one is really important because who wants to admit that they have an abusive partner? Who is all there like, yeah, 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 no, my, mine abuses me. Like, who does that? Nobody, right? And who wants to admit that their sibling that they love so much or their their parent that they love so much or their cousin or their aunt or their uncle or their family friend or whatever or their friend their best friend their childhood friend whatever it may be who wants to admit that that person they love so much is mistreating them it's hard you know and it's it's different for everyone but a lot of what I've observed with my clients and with friends and even with myself is that it's very challenging to admit that Okay, maybe not necessarily, maybe not for everybody, but a lot of the time it is. And I know that in my experience, it has been sometimes less hard than other times, but in general, still not a pleasant feeling to to go through. And when you think of those things, sometimes it's easier. Like sometimes you're thinking, oh, well, that explains it. Like this was not okay. All those things were uncalled for and and not okay. And I, I, I stood for it because I thought it was normal. I thought it was okay, but it isn't. And you know what? Now, good riddance. Let's move on. You know, and so sometimes it's a bit more uh, straightforward and it's easier to maybe detach because by then you're already sort of detached, right? But even in those cases, you're still thinking, wow, but I dealt with all of that for all those years and I didn't say anything or I didn't realize rather that it was not okay. And, and, and that can be troubling. That can still take some time to heal and to grieve, right? That whole relationship, that whole time in your life. Um, but sometimes it's more troubling because you're thinking, well, we do for all intents and purposes have a beautiful relationship, but then they do these things that I really don't feel okay with. I don't find them okay. And I find them often normalized or laughed off, but they're really not okay to me. And I'm scared that they're, that they're a manifestation of a deeper problem. And that's scary because when someone just does something annoying and you feel like you can talk about it to them with them, it's less daunting, right? It's less likely to bring you into a state of avoidance or denial because you're more like oh that was so annoying why are you doing that like <laughs> like let's talk about it or whatever you know or if, if you're thinking of little conflicts that you've had or things that you know conversations that you've had with a family member or a friend or a partner it doesn't seem this intense right you might be thinking well I haven't had anything that intense sometimes we know we just talk about it and we're done and that's so true that's very very true as well but when we talk about the more intense things or quote-unquote intense things it can be troubling. You're thinking of this person and you're like, you know what, the older I get or the more I spend time with this person, the more I'm afraid that this is actually a really deep issue and something that has to do with who they are as a person and not just something that they're doing that I can just talk to them about and that then they'll realize, you know, and stop doing. Um, you're, you're afraid that it's a really deep issue, that this person might be, uh, you know, either have narcissistic tendencies or uh, be abusive in some ways or manipulative, like that's that's hard to admit, but it doesn't make it better just because they have a disorder and it doesn't make it better if they don't have a disorder. Like either way, it's still hurtful. So when we're looking to diagnose or to label, to get a sense of control or a sense of answers to our confusion or answers to our question, it isn't really helpful in the end. Like what does the diagnosis really, the diagnosis really do if you're still being mistreated? Like what does it matter? 
it doesn't really matter. It maybe helps you understand. It makes you, it helps put in context and it helps you have different explanations for things. But at the end of the day, if somebody's mistreating you, like it's up to you to take responsibility for your healing and be like, okay, so what do I do now? Right? Again, not dismissing diagnoses, like just so we're clear, not dismissing diagnoses. Um, and the importance of understanding the mind and the behaviors of people. Um, and of course, being mindful of, of who we're with and who we're dealing with and what's going on. Absolutely. But, but beyond that, it doesn't actually help us in the situation. Um, we need to take action. We need to hold our own in a situation and we need to know what is right for us and what isn't and what we need to do about that. And, you know, again, we're not all professionals. Like we're not all people who are diagnosing and dealing with all of this, all of these things. So we need to just be mindful that, that again, A, it's more complicated than than that or than having some information and then being like, oh, right, that's what it must be. It's more complicated than that. And also, even with that answer, what does, still you have to ask yourself what that means for you in your relationship, right? Okay. And so when we're looking at all of this, um, I, you know, I, I really want to emphasize in all of this that, again, going back to the fact that it's not okay and it doesn't matter if other people think it's okay or if they think it's okay, if you're not being treated correctly, that is not okay. So let's look at some examples. You might have a, uh, we'll start with family members again. You might have a family member that is mistreating you and, or that tends to be, you know, flippant or whatever, or, and everyone goes, oh, but you know how they are. They've always been like that. Don't take it personally. They've done it to me too. Right. But it isn't okay. Like it's still mistreatment. I don't care how funny it is or how charming we've made it out to be. It isn't okay to mistreat someone. And the reason why this person isn't stopping, or one of the reasons this person isn't stopping is because we keep enabling this behavior, or at the very least, we're not stopping it in its tracks. We're not saying, Hey, that's abusive. You can't do that. In the meantime, this person just continues doing what they're doing and they think it's funny or they go like, yeah, I know I can be an ass. And then it's like, okay, but if you know, then why aren't you doing anything about it? Why do you continue to mistreat people? It isn't funny. It isn't charming, you know? And I know that some people will find that dramatic, like, oh, just leave it alone. Like, who cares? Let people do whatever they want. Yeah, don't, I, I get that too. I get, you know, I get the whole live and let live thing. And absolutely, like, we all do the things that we do. We all have personalities. We all get out of line sometimes, you know, like we all make mistakes. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But when there's a chronic mistreatment or chronic being an ass, quote unquote, or chronic, you know, abuse, you don't just go like, oh, well, you know how they are. They have a temper. Okay, but that's, that, that's something to look at. That's something really important to look at. And as a side note, we can't be so keen to understand diagnoses and to label things with diagnoses, but then not take seriously other behaviors right? Like I find that that I see that pattern a lot. It's like, oh yeah, it's narcissism. Oh, it's OCD. Oh, it's anxiety. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's, it's borderline. Oh, it's, we're really keen to talk about all of that, but then we never really talk about the behaviors that are not okay. Right. We're just like, oh, well, that's just how they are. Oh, don't be dramatic. It's just, you know, whatever. It's just that. Well, hang on a second though. So on one hand, all of these signs of mistreatment disorder or other, we're not talking about but when, we're, when, when we feel like having an explanation or a catch-all phrase for why they behave the way they do, oh, then we're using the big words like narcissism and OCD or whatever, uh, or borderline or, right, like borderline personality disorder, right? But then we're super keen to throw those around. So I find that really interesting too. Um, 
it's like, you know, I don't know. I just find that part particularly <laughs> um, misleading for people and not helpful in the end. So anyway, I'm not going to go on that tangent now, but moving back to the un unhealthy dynamic, it is okay to say something like again, and you don't know if it's like a chronic issue, or if it's something that they think is okay, right? Like they might just think that it's charming or it's part of their charm to do something a certain way because everybody enables it and, and nobody calls them out. Now, of course, there's a level of like, well, how come they've not checked themselves and said, maybe I shouldn't behave that way. But you know what? That can happen. That can happen. We're all learning. It doesn't mean that we're abusive or that we're, that we have a disorder, right? They might just not know because nobody ever called them out on it. So that's one thing. I mean, we always want to give people the, the benefit of the doubt, at least I do, um, that, that they might not know. But at the same time, if they do know and they have been called out on it and they see that they're hurting people and they just think like, oh, well, that's just how I am. I mean, that's something to, to look at. That's something to take seriously. If someone is telling you how they are and, and saying that they're okay with certain levels of mistreatment because that's just part of their charm or who they are, um, that's believe them, you know, that's, that's a, in my opinion, a red flag, believe them. And, um, you know, and, and I'm talking about family this time because this is one of those relationships, like family relationships are the relationships in which we feel we have no choice because we didn't choose them. Um, but you do have a choice just because you didn't choose your family doesn't mean that you can't choose who you, uh, have a relationship with in your life, right? So you have your family. Yes, you can choose who's in your family, but you can choose who is in your life. You can choose who you have a relationship with and, you know, who you, who you interact with and, and, and how, and all of that stuff, right? It's very easy to be like, oh, well, it's family. You know, everybody has issues in their family. Yes, but it doesn't mean that abuse doesn't exist just because it's happening with your mom or with your sister or with your brother or with your cousin or with your whoever, right? Like just because it's, it's your family doesn't mean abuse no longer happens. Doesn't mean mistreatment no longer happens. Doesn't mean toxicity isn't there, right? Like not at all. So no, you can't choose your family. No, you can't choose, you know, who, who, who is in your family and who you grew up with, but you can choose who you live with. You can choose who you continue to communicate with and you can choose how you communicate right? That's another thing. It's like, oh, I just get so frustrated when I talk to so-and-so in my family because they just really rub me the wrong way. I'm never like that with anybody else, just with them. Hey, I feel, I feel that. I get it. I really do. But it's still up to you to decide how you want to communicate with people. It's still up to you, right? There's, there's, there, there's a lot that can happen between how you are with everybody else and the way you might, you know, get really, really reactive with your family. There's a lot that can happen there. There's setting boundaries. There's limiting conversation. There's talking about things without shouting there. You know, there are a lot of things that can happen and Hey, don't get me wrong. Like I get it, you know, and it's a very real thing. And many people have said, uh, clients of mine, friends of mine, I have myself said this, that, you know, we're one way in our lives, but then when with, with, with our family, like certain things just trigger us or get to us and we behave differently. And that's, that's all valid, you know, but there is still, there's still work that we can do. Um, so yeah, so I wanted to talk about these relationships, like the ones that we can't choose, but now if we move to the relationships that we can't choose, as in we can choose those relationships, but they start off as relationships we don't choose. Um, but if we look at the ones that we do choose, like we choose who our friends are and we choose who our partner is, um, then we're dealing with different things. Then in that case, we have also a sense of confusion because as opposed to the family member where we're thinking, oh, but you know, it's just who they are. They've always been like that. It's my family. There's nothing I can do about it. Whilst we have that mentality a lot, when the person, when we choose the person that we love or we choose the person that we're with, 
then we have a whole other set of issues, right? We're thinking to ourselves like, well, how did I miss this? How did I not see this coming? How did I not see the signs? Um, now what do I do? I chose this person. I built my entire life around this person. I was so intentional about building a life with this person. And now I'm seeing all of this and it feels like my world is coming apart. So it's a whole other set of issues, right? Not that we don't feel a lot of those feelings with family members as well. Um, you know, pain is pain and grief is grief and, and a relationship ending or being nothing like you thought it was is, is obviously painful. Um, but with regards to a person that you're consciously choosing to have a life with, um, you know, that you weren't just like born into having a relationship with, there's that whole set of blame on yourself. Like, how did I not see it? What do I do now? Like, I built my whole life around this life with them. Um, and that's hard. And it makes us not want to accept or see or deal with the issue. Uh, and when it goes beyond something that we can actually fix, like when couples counseling isn't working, when communicating isn't working, when trying all the things isn't working because somebody might just not have the emotional maturity or availability or to, to give you what you need. Um, or, and again, we're not even talking about disorders here. Like we're talking about somebody not being able to give you what you need and not being able to treat you properly. Um, that is hard. And of course you're going to want to find explanation. Of course you're going to want to say, oh no, well it's work or, oh no, well it's, you know, you know, maybe they have a disorder. Maybe there's something wrong with them and it's not really their choice. Here's the problem with that. Unless it's truly a disorder that has them not see what they're doing and that has them really unaware of what's going on. This person is still choosing to at the very least not put the work in. They're, they're, they're deciding that, you know, it's not worth their time or it's not something that they want to do or it's not important enough to them, right? Like neglect or being unavailable and being... Um, like not attentive and not caring and not present in a relationship is also very hurtful and, and, and unhealthy, right? Just like being uh, aggressive and abusive and violent and, you know, and covert, you know, is, is, is unhealthy. But being the other extreme is also unhealthy and hurtful and uh, emotionally abusive in some cases. So either extreme is, un is unhealthy. And it's really easy when, when someone is being more kind of um, overtly rude. I think I may have said covert before. I meant to say overtly rude or mean or mistreat, mistreating, abusive, you know, um, in a more overt way, it's easier to be like, oh, well, that's the issue. But when it's covert, then we're like, well, you know, and there's, there are more, there's more leeway to make an excuse. There's more time to say like, oh, but it could be this, it could be that. Like we start to feel bad, we don't get it. We're like, why are they emotionally unavailable? Why don't they care? Why this, why that? Like there's all of that that goes on. But either extreme, as I said, is not healthy. And we're not even talking about disorders here. Like I'm not even bringing in narcissism here. But if we wanted to, we could say, yeah, we have covert narcissism, we have overt narcissism, and we have malignant narcissism. But in either case, it's not healthy. Either way, it's not okay. And, and, and they know what's going on. Now, it might not be malignant. Uh, I'm not going to unpack narcissism right now, but it doesn't have to be malignant to be unhealthy, right? And it doesn't even have to be narcissism to be unhealthy. That's the point I'm trying to make, right? So if someone's being like overtly mean or whether they're being kind of the other way around, like they're being passive aggressive or they're being uh, neglectful or they're being, uh, you know, they're emotionally unavailable, like that too is, it can be emotionally abusive, 
right? And it's the same with parents, right? Like everyone thinks that to have trauma in your childhood, you need to have like these aggressive, mean, abusive parents, you know, but neglect is also trauma. Neglect is uh, um, also can be emotionally abusive. Absent, being absentee, uh, you know, not being able to express feeling, uh, giving the cold shoulder, the silent treatment, um, ignoring your child, being passive aggressive, like those things are also harmful to a child. So it's the same in our adult relationships. Somebody doesn't have to be like mean or rude to you to be mistreating you or to be hurtful. So, um, and I, I want to like talk about that and, and open the dialogue around those things because it is okay if you feel like something is wrong in your relationship. You are allowed to feel bad and it doesn't matter if it doesn't look like what you think it should look. If you're being mistreated you, and you feel hurt in your relationship, that is valid. And so I want to normalize what these things are as in like not normalize abuse, obviously, but, but, but talk about the different ways that this can show up because otherwise we don't know. And then it's what makes us scared to say anything to the person or to say anything to someone else because we don't want to seem dramatic or overly sensitive, you know? And, and for the sake of argument, you know, for lack of better words, better safe than sorry, right? Like better be overly sensitive than, than not call out the person who is mistreating you, right? If anything, so, so that's really, really important. And um, so we talked about family. We talked about relationships in which, you know, we didn't have a choice initially to be with these people and to relate to these people. But then eventually in time, we do have the choice to continue relating to these people. Then we talked about re relationships in which we have that choice, right? Like we consciously decided to have a friendship or a partnership with this person. We talked about that. And, and we talked about why these things can be challenging. We talked about why... Um, why the idea that when we're born into a certain dynamic makes us feel like there's nothing that we can do and why choosing a, a, a person that ends up being toxic to us or the, uh, choosing a, a relationship that ends up having a toxic dynamic is damaging in another way in that we then start to blame ourselves and we then start to want to avoid that this could be happening because it changes our entire reality. And that changing of reality applies to many relationships or any relationship rather where you thought you knew something about your relationship and then you realized that it wasn't the case uh, and this will show up a lot with people who are in relationships with narcissists is that when you realize that that's what's happening you're thinking oh my god so everything I thought I shared with this person well it wasn't real they weren't actually feeling the way I was feeling they were not capable of loving me the way I love them and you know and there's a lot to unpack there. But again, and it's the theme of the episode, that can be the case even with someone who is not a narcissist, okay? And I know that that isn't easy to hear because it almost makes it easier to think that there's a disorder rather than that the person is just choosing. But either way, they're choosing. Um, and, and in both cases, they can be somewhat unaware, I suppose, for argument's sake. But in either case they're choosing to do the things that they're doing and and they're doing it on purpose right we talked about that um but that idea of your reality being kind of shattered um again that can happen with someone who is not a narcissist that can happen with somebody who has been unfaithful to you the entire time and you had no idea that feeling can happen with a family member that you thought loved you but really but then really you found out that they were talking behind your back the whole time or that they were happy to just betray you one day uh, completely you know and then the rug was pulled from under you right it can happen at work when you thought you had a friendship with someone at work or uh, that you guys were had a good bond or something like that and then they go and get you fired or they go and you know like or whatever it is i can't think of an example for every single thing right now, but 
the, when you thought you knew something and then you realize, oh crap, like, I guess I was wrong then? Or like, did it ever really happen? Did you ever feel like you loved me? Did we ever have a friendship? Like you find yourself asking those questions. Like, so was I just crazy the entire time? Like that is a, a very challenging feeling and situation to deal with. And, uh, and something that we see a lot, especially with, um, when you're ending a relationship or when there's like a rupture or a breakup, you'll see the whole, but did they feel like this the entire time? Did they ever love me? Um, and this will show up in all the examples I gave you, like a relationship, a romantic relationship, a friendship, uh, uh, it can even be like a work friendship thing or a dynamic. It could be in a family, you know, you thought you knew something and then all of a sudden, bam, the whole thing shatters and you're just like, what the F is going on? And that is extremely difficult and painful. So uh, I wanted to mention that because that is something that we're going to talk about in the next solo episode. Right now I'm trying to do them at every fifth episode. So every jump of five. So like I think we're at episode 75 now. And then so episode 80 is going to be when we talk about the next one and then 85 and then so on and so forth. So I'm trying to do it like that. But by all means, if you have any questions um, about this, you can DM me and I'll try to answer as much as possible. Um, and I can always answer general questions. I can't give advice via DMs, as you know, but I can uh, I can answer general questions. So ask me that. I also try to answer questions in Q&As that I do and in the Q&As I do on Instagram. So ask me. But yeah, essentially this week I wanted to just uh, really talk about the things that go on that are not okay, but that are not necessarily associated to a disorder. And more to the point, even if they are associated to a disorder, what does that actually mean for you? And how does that, how is that helpful for you, if, if at all? Or when it's no longer helpful for you, then what do you do? Um, and then I also want to open up the dialogue and talk about what happens, yeah, after all of this is said and done, when you're realizing, oh no, okay, so this is what's been going on, this is what's, what's happening, and I feel like I need to end this relationship, or I need to, you know, no longer be with this person, uh, or no longer communicate with this person, family member, romantic partner, friend, or other, you know, and now, now what? Now what's happening? Now what do I do? And, uh, and so we'll, we'll talk about that next time. We'll also talk about uh, some other things, particularly uh, about feelings of anxiety brought on by trauma, uh, be they trauma, traumatic events that happen, you know, in your adult life or traumatic events that happen in childhood and how they affect anxiety and, and the kind of anxiety that we'll, we'll see from these events. Um, and just, yeah, talking about that anxiety, because again, it's another issue of, oh yeah, it's just the anxiety. It's just the anxiety. You know, oh yeah, I have anxiety. You have anxiety. She has anxiety. Yes. Okay. But what does that mean? Like, what, is, what, what does that even mean? Right? Great. You have anxiety. Super. Uh, well, not super, but you know what I mean. But like you have this diagnosis, not great. So that's helpful. But now what? And also a lot of the time we're dealing with anxiety, but before it was called anxiety, it was called many other things. It was betrayal. It was trauma. It was loss. It was grief. It was, um, you know, something that was threatening your safety, your security, your well-being. So before it became anxiety, right? So we're going to talk about that and talk about why it's uh, important to, yes, understand the science behind things, understand the the diagnosis and the importance and the severity of mental health, right? It's important, it's serious, it matters, all these things. But also, what does that mean on a practical level? What does that mean for you as a human going through life, 
right? How much comfort can a diagnosis or a label really give you? Great. It gives you information. It gives you an explanation. Maybe it gives you some guidelines, some context, some, it can, you know, understanding mental health in that way and understanding your mental health in that way is absolutely helpful. Again, like I'm a therapist saying this. So of course, all those things are important and, and psychologists have a, an important role in this and psychiatrists and all of that stuff. I'm not discrediting any of that. Um, but what does this mean for you as a human? Yeah. Um, what does this mean for you between therapy sessions? What does this mean for you after you see your therapist or psychologist or, you know, and I'm making the distinction here because I'm talking about psychologists, yes, who can be therapists, but also therapists who are not psychologists, just so we're clear. Um, so what does this mean for you between sessions? What does this mean for you in the everyday? So we'll be unpacking that next time. And uh, yeah, I feel like this was a pretty loaded episode, but I also feel like I say that all the time. So, <laughs> but uh, you know, listen to it again if you have to and ask me any questions that you have. I want to make sure that this content is valuable for you. So if it takes asking me questions, then do so. With that in mind, if you do like this content and you would like to dive deeper, you can join one of my Patreon, Patreon, Patreon uh, memberships. Okay, it's where we do exactly that. It's where we dive into more detail in these episodes it's where we answer questions ask questions communicate converse uh, connect and really dive into the juice of these topics so you can go find there are three membership options um the first one is for bonus content uh, exclusive episodes and that sort of thing and the second two have actually include monthly live q a's with me so um so yeah, and, and we dive into more of the juice. Um, I'll give you exclusive content no matter what uh, membership you're in, but it just helps you go a little bit deeper. It helps you be able to ask questions and it helps us be able to connect and discuss. And of course you can find other resources on my website. I have a bunch of free blog posts. Um, and of course you can refer back to other episodes on this show and the content on Instagram and all of that stuff. So there's, there's a bunch of stuff there. And of course the Q and A's, the quick Q and A's that I do on Instagram, but with the memberships, um, we're definitely diving into more juice in those, uh, more content, more explanation, more context. Uh, and of course being able to chat to me and have discussions about these things, right. Um, and listen to other people's questions and the answers that they get and all of that. And, uh, so there you go. So join those. If it sounds like something that's interesting to you, it sounds like something that's helpful for you. That would be helpful for you. Go and check it out. Otherwise, the last thing I will ask you is if you do love the show to please leave a review. Uh, if you're on the Apple app, that's where it's easiest. Or I think the well, it's the it's the best way to do it. Um, you just scroll down in your Apple app on my podcast page, of course, <laughs> um, and leave a five star review. And you can leave, you know, an actual review if you want to. These ratings and reviews really, really help support the show. In case you're wondering how they help support the show, because they help boost the show and help bring the content to people who otherwise wouldn't have access to the content or who who, who need the content and who would benefit from the content. So all of that happy, positive activity on the show helps bring the show further. Uh, so thank you so, so much. If you are leaving a review uh, or if you have left a review, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I'm really, really grateful. So thank you for that. And um, there you have it. That's all I have for today. I look forward to connecting with you next time and to sharing more brilliant guests that are going to be on the show in weeks to come. Until next time. Bye-bye.